This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. How are you today? We're getting into the spring uh, weather here in the Midwest. It's been warm for the last few days, although we do have a little bit of snow coming in tomorrow, which is pretty normal for this time of the year. It gets warm, then it gets cold. It goes back and forth until uh, probably the end of April, early May. We're glad you're here with us today. Thanks for joining us. I have an uh, excellent uh, interview from CPAC that I think you're going to find to be very interesting. If you haven't subscribed to my uh, podcast channel, you can go to AffirmAmerica.com, put in your email address, and we'll send you a notice once an episode is released. You can also reach me at Marquise at AffirmAmerica.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at AffirmAmerica.com. So yeah, we got back from uh, CPAC. It's been uh, a couple weeks now. And uh, we got around to editing some of our interviews, and we wanted to get this out to you. Today's interview is with uh, Lily Tang Williams. She's uh, running for Congress up in New Hampshire, and she's a Chinese-American. And she has a unique insight into the CCP growing up under the Mao Cultural Revolution. She will give us some insight in what's happening here in the U.S. So I think you'll find it to be a very, very valuable interview and we'll go ahead and play that right now, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we heard on the backside. So here's her interview at CPAC 2022 in Orlando, Florida. Okay, here we are at CPAC 2022. This is the Affirm America podcast. I'm here with Lily Tang Williams and Mr. Jim Boothsby, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, CPAC. What's been your experience here this year? You know what? This is my first time. Really? Since I become a U.S. citizen. And I always watch it on TV. But this time I'm personally here and I'm just surprised. I run into so many friends like Jim and it, there's a sense of excitement, fun to be with people like-minded and who are all American patriots. Absolutely. And lots of Chinese Americans yes. follow me. Like Lily, Lily is like, they just grab me. It's like a... Do we meet? No, we follow you. We watch you on radios. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. We had a big uh, aging American event on the Thursday night. There were about 50, 50 aging immigrants from Vietnam, from China. We all got together and talked about how to activate, get involved in our new country, and to defend our American dream. And there was this Vietnamese uh, talking with passion, with his strong accent. It was very touching, actually. Uh, and it was it was on my social media, Lady for Congress Facebook page. I, I shared it. It was great. There was like over 20 Chinese Americans here. Yeah. So uh, who's been your best speaker so far? Uh, I like uh, uh, Ron DeSantis. I always like uh, and Larry Oders also. And uh, I probably missed some very good ones, you know, that... Uh, Oh, I could not get into uh, the room when Trump was speaking <laughs> because oh, no. the security cut out yeah. 30 minutes before. I, I did not know that. But I met President Trump uh, in 2020 when he came to New Hampshire, two rallies. 
Yeah, second rally, I was only 10 feet away from him. So I saw him uh, dancing with, uh, you know, uh, y, y, w, uh, like YMCA. YMCA, yes, that was the music. Trump's a great dancer, isn't he? <laughs> well, you I mean, he's like, I, I think he just was not really career politician, so he's kind of, you know, you know, very like a just populist president. Well, it's like packed, lots of people there. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you, uh, where you came from, and why you're running for uh, you're running for Congress. Is that right? Yes, um, I, I I was born and grew up in mainland China. I grew, I grew up under Mao's um, Cultural Revolution. Um, so when he died, I was 12 years old. Then we went through another a few years of seems old, like uh, the, 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 you know, the indoctrination, the food rationing coupons, just very poor, except now we had, a, you know, um, universities reopened. So I could have my new dream to go search for truth and go to the best university possible because I was born to illiterate working workers' family in Chengdu, in Sichuan province. Uh, and so I, I was so lost when he died because uh, I grew up so that he was God. And we were chanting, Long live Chiang Mai Mao every day, 10,000 years, double 10,000 years, another 10,000 years. It's like, how did he die, right? Okay, I realized he was human. So <laughs> when he died, I was 12 years old. I started to ask a question, who lied to me and who lied to my entire generation? So I studied very hard, went to college and studied law in Shanghai. And uh, I experience another period of depression. When I was in law school, they told me law was not for justice. Law was a tool for the party to use to govern the masses, Soviet Union model. So I was a rebellious changer there after that. It's like I graduated, I become faculty member. I still wanted to transform China into a society, rule of law. But I realized when I become faculty member, when I was just 21 years old, I could not do that because I faced the reality of censorship and PC, one-party dictatorship. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to be happy in this country. I'm still very young. I want to come to another country called America, my promised land, because I learned about the Declaration of Independence when I was a third year in college. American exchange student told me about America, about, you know, the, the all men are created equal, then separation of powers and, and all the Bill of Rights. My light bulbs came out, I could not turn it off. So when I would think about maybe I should flee China, I had to plan that carefully. I need the permission to quit my job. I need the permission to go apply for a passport. All that I had to plan for two years and, and you know, basically how to get a permission to leave after I got accepted by University of Texas at Austin for a graduate study. And when I arrived in this country in 1988, May 11th, it was the happiest day of my life. You're running for Congress. What state? New Hampshire, live free or die state. Oh, very good. <laughs> well, that's uh, something Jim Boothsby knows a little bit about. He's uh, He grew up in uh, Maine, but... Uh, that's uh, close. That's a close place. Running for Congress, that's a big step. What, uh, what do you think you can do in, for New Hampshire with, uh, with your understanding and your background coming from a Chinese communist nation? How can, how can you help the people of New Hampshire? What's, what's, why you? 
Well, I, I discovered by speaking around for the past five, six years, so lots of Americans, even conservatives, and especially our youth, do not understand the China, do not know the horrors of Mao's regime and Cultural Revolution, how many people died. So I, I call this my new American Cultural Revolution going on right now because I saw Mao's Cultural Revolution 12 tactics I, he used I summarize based on personal experience that the people here don't know, they don't recognize it. And, 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 uh, but I know, I saw the writings on the wall, I saw the rise of authoritarianism, I saw the division of society, and, and I saw this uh, cancel culture censorship and uh, politicalize everything. I'm scared, I'm terrified. Mm. The reason I'm running is because I, I fear this country I love is becoming the country I left. Mm. And I don't want that to happen here. I have three children. I'm happily married for 31 years. Wonderful three children born in this great country. And I feel it's my duty to run, to get my messages on national TVs, and, and to speak the truth to all the powers that we don't want to go down that path of totalitarianism, communism, or you call democratic socialism, whatever our young people call it. But it's all just very terrifying to me. So I feel like it's my duty to do this. So, um, gosh, that's a, that's a big task to, to confront. It just seems like it's, uh, it's overwhelming. It seems we're, we're getting hit on all different fronts with the... Uh, the censorship on social media, uh, the mainstream media is not not uh, reporting the accurate news. We have the corporations that are in bed with China. We have this woke critical race theory that's being propagated in the K through 12 now. I mean, it seems like we're being attacked on all fronts. I mean, what what can the American people do? Well, I think first of all, they need to be really educated. I have been telling people. Um, they've, they, you know, the propaganda machine don't underestimate that. I urge people to search truth on their own. Just, just get out of your comfort zone. Watch something different every week. And if somebody gets censored because they're asking questions, it's terribly wrong. And uh, it's like uh, maybe some propaganda lies are not working, so they want to cut other people's tongues out. <laughs> That's how I call it. But uh, the number two rules of propaganda in China yeah. is a party is always right. Don't ever challenge that, the ruling party. And the number two, the media are controlled by the party, and they repeat the same lies every day by lots of people at the same time. Over a long time period, they become the truth. So that's the two rules from Xinhua News Agency, that which is largest propaganda machine in the world. By the way, they have deeply infiltrated into all West democracy countries. Like you said, people don't know, regular citizens don't know how, how deeply CCP is in America. Confucius Institute were here for 15 years and they infiltrated into our schools, universities, corrupt politicians, and the big corporations, even board members, and the businessmen who want to make deals with China. I, I think I'm just an inconvenient minority to come out to tell the truth, to say, you know what, we got to pay attention, understand business people want to make money, but there are certain principles, human rights issues got to be above the profit. China is, is, is committing cultural genocide. And uh, also that, uh, you know, China is, uh, 
um, doing the organ harvesting from the Falun Gong group who practice uh, meditation for their health. It's all banned in China. And then, but you have like about one million people disappeared once it was banned in the 90s. They are the prisoner of conscience. You see lots of people here, you know, they, you know, they are here actually and form their own media and to trying to tell the truth and trying to expose the evils of CCP. And we need to realize that. We need to call our politicians and, and the co work corporations are doing business with them. And our legacy media don't call them out. But count on me, I will. Well, very good. That's a, that's a big task you have. But uh, I'm glad you're in there fighting because, you know, the American people, you know, they've never, they don't know what to expect, right? I mean, they've been comfortable all their lives. They've never been under any type of communist rule. They just don't, they don't see where it's coming from. They just don't understand it because they've never been, they've never experienced it. And uh, so we need somebody that's, that's aware and can see uh, what's going on that the American people can't see. A new book reveals how to recognize and defeat the evil of communism and other totalitarian regimes like Putin's Russia. The Triumph of Good, Cain, Abel, and the End of Marxism with commentary by the author, Thomas Cromwell. You can pick up a copy of Thomas's book on Amazon. Order your copy today. I'd like to ask uh, Jim Boothby to, to chime in a little bit. Uh, he has some questions that he'd like to ask you, and I'm going to turn the mic over to, to Jim here to ask a few questions for Lily. Lily, it's great to see you great here at CPAC. Yeah, great. Yeah, good friend. Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the whole Chinese infiltration into the country, their global plan. I mean, I get it. It really resonates with me so profoundly and so deeply and for many years now. And I, I, I just one tiny question that you just touched on, the, that, which I found so outrageous that I had to like ask, organ harvesting in China of the victims of the Uyghurs or Fulong Gong, is that really true? I mean, as much as I deplore China, uh, the, the CCP and what's going on, I find that one almost so horrifying as to be almost unbelievable. Is that, are they really strip mining and selling livers and hearts and kidneys on, I mean, that seems almost hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe because it's really a crime against humanity, yeah. but there are lots, lots of evidence to suggest that. And also whistleblowers who come to this country talk about it. And if you follow, like for example, the, the NTD TV, the Jennifer Jen, a YouTuber, and the, the Epoch Times, there were lots of Falun Gong practitioners themselves. They all know this crime against humanity. Canada, UK, they even banned organ tourism to go to China to pay, let's say, 200K. Organ tourism. Yeah. Oh yes. Because people want to save their lives. They have to wait for years to get an organ donor, right, in, in the Western countries. But in China, you get them pretty quick. And the Chinese people traditionally, their values teach them they like to die actually as a whole person. They don't want to donate organs. Like not like this country, actually people do sign up before they die. Right, I can't right, donate right. my organs like from car wreck or something. Their organs are still very good. Chinese normally don't like that, but how do they have so many organs then? They sell for about 200K each and they say fresh, fresh. 
about three weeks, you can get it. And there's a, a whistleblower talking about he was an inter-medical school student. He saw the man was giving an injection, right, a shot, Falun Gong practitioner in the black prison. And, uh, and at the beginning, he was told to take, to, to, to take his um, like a, an eye corneas, and then he did it. But next, he was told, now take his organs. But that guy just gave him this, you know, you know, this kind of sign, the facial, oh, it's like he couldn't do it. And then his boss came in and did it. And he, he now is in the Western country to tell his stories. Is that awful? I mean, I, I was in the United States in the 90s, so I did not know until I watched all those videos, I listened to the evidence, audio recordings of a Chinese military hospital, talking to the people who, who pretend they are the customers, I need a liver, I need a, a kidney, how much, how fresh, and all that. There's evidence of that. I had a very interesting story about two weeks ago, which which uh, commentator said Gordon Chang, uh, the famous uh, anti-China, anti-CCP commentator, made the comment that uh, Chinese, demo I mean, we're talking about the population of China at 1.4 billion currently, the largest country that's ever existed on Earth, th th four times the size of the United States. Amazing, you think about it. the, po you know, as they say, demography is destiny. Right, and people power. So the power of China, just based on population, a lot of people don't probably realize or appreciate that. But this commentator was raised the issue that because of the one-child policy going back, what, several decades, to what, almost 40 years ago, that he said China, Chinese demographers estimate that in, by 2065, which would be 40-some years from now, the Chinese population that is already baked in will be half what it is today. Therefore, based on that, he projects or suggests that if the Chinese is to, 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 to make a move of any sort on, on, on Taiwan, it, this, is the, this may be the height of their population power now in the early 2020s and that they would make their move now as opposed to waiting 25 years when they may be experiencing population shrinkage. What would, how, do you, how do you process that? Does that make sense? Is it true? What would you, what would you? Ever since I was little growing up in China, I heard liberate Taiwan. Taiwanese people are suffering and starving to death. So it's always on their list, on the agenda. But during the 80s, when China opened up for economic reform, then they started to trade with Taiwan. Taiwanese businessmen can go to Hong Kong, go to China, and do business, and build the factories then for export economy, and people can visit each other. So there was a period of trade and more friendly relationships. But, uh, but after Hong Kong, and basically, we lost Hong Kong completely. It's just one of the China cities right. now crushed. The national security law can actually arrest you and me if we go to Hong Kong, speak against CCP, because of the national security law, we will be a threat. So I'm very worried about Taiwan now, but because Taiwanese people realize, oh, we don't want to become like Hong Kong, like a one country, two systems completely failed. They will never keep their promise. So they want to remain to be independent, but they don't want to declare it because they just want to have a status quo, right? And but the thing is, though, China has been b 
beef up their threat. They have bullied lots of international business airlines and countries to to cut off Taiwan, to call Taiwan Taipei China instead of Taipei Taiwan, for example. Even cannot use it. That's why American airlines say, "We'll just use zip code. How about that? We don't use name because because they all want to, you know, do business with China." So I'm very worried. We need to have strategies in place now, and we need to come up with effective sections and all kind of um, policies or communicate with China to say, "You do not do this. Otherwise, the consequences will be very severe for you." I even offer for. Um, Biden is trying to call me. I speak Mandarin. I can serve my country by offering my suggestions. <laughs> What, okay, that's that's interesting. Uh, w- w- and another, uh, a lot of American people are wa- reflecting and wondering about what do, what's your sense of the likelihood of a, a full-on invasion of Taiwan in the next year or two or three. How close to that are we? Do you think it will come? And if so, when? Well, yet、uh, um, I know I follow、um, Chinese、uh, Mandarin posts and information, and the propaganda in China has been beefed up to say、um, liberate Taiwan, Americans bad, and uh, um, uh, we do not allow Taiwan to declare independence, and also China actually economy internally is pretty weak. There are lots of issues. She. Chairman Xi has to deal with. We hear there's a real estate, a serious. Real、uh, there's estate real estate、problem. bubbles,、yeah. and also people are hungry again. Covid, zero covid policies, shut down economy, shut down small、okay. business, supply chain, all are huge issues. And Xi is not very predictable. What if he wants have some distraction, and get the people? It's called a, the the new communism in China now. It's called a. The socialism or, or socialist nationalism, so get the people patriotic about liberate Taiwan, and, you know, from the Western influence. So I I think we need to be well prepared.、Uh, you know, it might not happen immediately. It might be in couple years, five years, but it is on their agenda. It is. So how what do we do about it? We have a very weak leadership right now in our country and in the world against China. Well, that's the that's a really good point, and you know, with、um, with Russia now invading Ukraine, it's possible that Xi and Putin may have been collaborating together and splitting the resources. You know that Putin goes after not only Ukraine but keeps moving into Poland and all of、uh, Europe, Eastern Europe, and then Xi goes after Taiwan. We don't have enough. Forces around the world to protect both fronts, and this might be a good opportunity for them to go after Taiwan. That's that's one theory I've heard. What do you think about that? And、uh, yes, and they all want to take advantage of a weak、uh, U.S. leadership, and also supply chain that heavily rely on China, rely on Russia's oil, and also the Taiwan. We are heavily rely on Taiwan for the microchips, semiconductor industry. What if China take over that? That means we're going to heavily rely on China for microchips. I even don't know how we got this point. China joined WTO, or the Western countries are very idealistic, or maybe China will change for better, become democracy. 
No, China is getting worse. And now they use that, uh, and, you know, second largest economic power to bully all the other countries around and to get into Africa, Caribbean, and all the countries through the road, like the uh, uh, road initiative, one bell, one road initiative is that trap for lots of developing countries. And when I was in South Africa, a big sign at the airport said, Bank of China will help you know, South African people to go to prosperity. There are lots of signs, and we need to not to be naive. We, we need to come up with a strategy now to deal with China in case, you know, they invade Taiwan, they take over the microchips, and, and also our other supply issues, for example, vitamins and antibiotics, and, you know, materials, and all from China. It, it's like, a, it, it's really time to reevaluate our entire supply chain issues. And uh, the U.S. just released a lot of money for microchip manufacturing in the U.S. In fact, Ohio just recently took a big contract to, to build multi-billion dollar microchip factories in the U.S. to decouple from China. So that's, I think, very important. Made in America, decoupling from the Chinese supply chains, because we, we realized how vulnerable we are with the with the COVID and when everything was shut down, right? Good thing. Yeah, good thing. And also that uh, um, my message to the free world, we cannot rely on dictatorship countries. They have a totally different ideology from us. How can we rely on one party control dictatorship country like China to do trade and to supply and all the critical, you know, elements, products for our economy. How can free world West Europe rely on Russia for 70% of their oil? And uh, what cannot be, you know, really just so naive because uh, those countries, they are not reliable. And it's, it's just a fantasy to think someday they will just become like part of us because of war economic together. But actually, no, they go to different directions. They want to bully you and control you because you rely on them. That's the true nature of a communist. Because you become rely on them, they're going to control you even more. So we have to become a, a truly like a, um, a weak, not a walk, a weak. And then look at what we're doing in our country now, the divaging of society and, and the indoctrination of youth and the work military, you know, like... A, everything cancel culture everything's going on it's like a cultural revolution I survived in China how, how, how I'm gonna handle this I feel like I have PTSD I have seen this before it's very terrifying and we need to focus on our own country first now to see how we can be united and and get all the brain and mind together to come up with solutions. It's not about politics. It's about our country, our children's future. That's why my slogan is, uh, you know, keep the American dream alive. But we, my kids might live under another socialist, communist country if, you know, I don't do whatever I can now in my power to stop that and to, to wake up my fellow citizens to stop that together. Well, Lily, uh, lots of blessings and good luck to you for running for Congress and uh, we really hope that uh, it becomes a successful venture for you. It's, it's good to see uh, somebody that has a, a clear understanding of, of uh, the situation going on here in America and also your Chinese roots and experiences really help 
the American people to have a much clearer understanding of what they see around them today. So, again, thanks for joining us on uh, our podcast today, the Affirm America podcast. And uh, how can people uh, reach you if they want to uh, uh, speak to you or email you? Do you have some information you can give to them? Yes, I have a, a campaign website, lilytongwilliams.com and slash Congress, people can donate. I'm a grassroots candidate because uh, I speak for common people. And uh, I'm just one of the silent majority citizens, but I hope we're not gonna be silenced. This is our country and we need to fight for the freedom here. I also have a social media, big presence on Facebook, Lady for Congress page, and Twitter, Lady for Liberty, and my whole name, Lily Tang Williams, on Instagram, and have two YouTube channels. One is English, and one is Mandarin Chinese. So I'm everywhere. And I already received attacks, people trying to discredit me. It's okay. They, you know, um, I guess I have to wear a badge of honor. If a pro CCP people are attacking me, spying on me, because you know what? They cannot buy me. And they cannot corrupt me with power, with money. And, and uh, so I am that true grassroots candidate. And please donate. Everybody hear this. Please donate 25 bucks, $50 on my website. I would really appreciate it. Just imagine me on the floor of U.S. Congress and call out socialists and communists that are trying to destroy our country. And that would be really awesome, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to see it. And uh, so, again, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, good luck with, uh, with everything, and, and uh, God bless you. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Okay, so there you have it, uh, the interview with Lily Tang Williams running for Congress in the great state of New Hampshire. I think that was uh, very insightful as Americans to hear her experiences with growing up under the CCP and the Mao Cultural Revolution, and how she sees the same things that she grew up under in Communist China here in the U.S., the same techniques, the same ways in which they use to control speech through the cancel culture, what we're seeing with the big tech companies and the corporations, the wokeism, the critical race theory to divide us by race, these are all techniques that the communists use to control the masses. And now we're seeing it here in our own country. And it's been very noticeable over the last few years. So I hope that you share this information around with your friends. Share it on social media. Get the message out. It's a message that we all need to hear, especially as we come into the midterms here in 2022. If you can, go to Lily tangwilliams.com slash congress donate whatever you can every little bit helps five dollars ten dollars twenty five a thousand five thousand i think these individuals like lily need to have a voice especially in congress to push back against the voices of aoc and the squad which are by sheer ignorance don't know that their tools they're foolish tools, idiots of the far left. And uh, to hear directly from somebody that lived under communist country and what that's really like, 
Communism always sounds good, but in practice it always ends up to be a dictator and usually not the way you would expect it to be. It's not a utopia for the worker. The worker is actually the one that's oppressed. So again, uh, thanks very much for joining us today. Please uh, subscribe to our podcast at affirmamerica.com. Give us your email address. We'll send a notice out when the next episode is released. You can also reach me at marquise at affirmamerica.com. And uh, we'll see you again on the next episode of the Affirm America podcast. Have a great day and God bless. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it. 